Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this precious time of fellowship, the time of praise we've been able to have, Lord, as we lifted up our song to thee. And now, Lord, I pray that you might be pleased in our study of thy precious word. Father, uh, pray that you might give us understanding, Lord, that we might be able to apply these truths in an even greater way in our daily walk. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will take your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Peter, our book of 1 Peter. We continue our study, our series in this book. Uh, this, Of course, the title of the series is named Alien Life. So welcome to earth, aliens. We are about to study more about how we are to live an alien life in this world of where we don't belong. And that's what Peter's trying to convey, that we, this is not our home. And at this point, we arrive in chapter 2. So look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're just going to actually look at three verses this, this night. And it'll be the first three of chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. But let's read them all together, and then we're going to break it down. Peter says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, as we begin chapter 2, what's the first word you see in chapter 2? Therefore, remember we talked about it. When you see the word therefore, you wonder what it's there for. And so you investigate. And, of course, that word therefore has the same meaning as because of. Because of and so Peter's saying, because of what I just said. Well, what did he just say? Well, look back at verses 22 and, uh, and 23 of chapter 1. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. And then verse 24 and 25, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This is the word which was preached to you. And so the therefore concerns them being born again, and what, how are they born again? They were born again through the living and abiding word of God, which abides forever. He makes that clear. And so now he's going to tell us how to put the word of God into practice in our daily life, and how it should affect you and affect me 
as we journey on to our heavenly home. So he begins there, because because you are born again, because you've been saved through the living and abiding word of God, this is what, and we've done this. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So because of who we are in Christ, these are some of the things that Peter points out that we are to put aside, to put aside or to put off. And the Greek word here has the idea of casting something off or discarding something like an old garment, okay? And we're going to see that these things that he mentions here in verse 1 are what we might call old clothes, old clothes that we as, as Christians used to wear before we were saved. But then we were given new clothes in Christ. But you know what's, uh, what sometimes the problem is? That we keep some of the old clothes in the closet, don't we? How many of you have something in your closet from, say, 1970? Look at that. See the hands go up? You're being everybody being honest. And your wife, right, probably says, why do you still have that, right? <laughs> or it's the other way around. What are you doing? You know, suddenly, you f- ladies, you find it in your husband's closet, and you go, what? He still got this? And then when he tries to wear it, you stop him before he goes out the door, right? No, no, you're going to change. I, I don't know how many times. I've come down the steps, and Sharon takes a look at me and goes, Honey, mm-mm. no. You better go back up and find a different tie. Find a different shirt. You wore that yesterday. <laughs> Something like that. So up I go. I listen to her. But the, here, Peter is concerned about the believer wearing the old clothes. Wearing the old clothes. And we're going to break down the various pieces of clothing now that he mentions. Now, he gets specific here about certain things. And there are, there are going to be actually five pieces of clothes here, which are sins. Five, a list of five sins, which really destroy us and our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. And these are sins that concern attitude and our speech, what we say. And it can, these things actually can drive a wedge into our families, into our church, into, into the family of God and bring disunity and bring division. We talked about this actually with the men last Wednesday night or a Bible study. But let's look at the first one. Therefore, putting aside all malice, putting aside all malice. He uses the word malice. Now, this word can sometimes just be generally used for depravity or wickedness. But more specifically, malice is an ill will towards another person. 
having ill will towards another person. In other words, desiring to hurt someone else with our words or our deeds for whatever reason. But it's our, our desire to either get back at them or to, but, but, but hoping that something bad happens or they get paid back for something. And malice is a dangerous, dangerous piece of clothing to, to put on. And all of us, we're going to see that, you know, one of these pieces of clothing may hit you more than another piece where you'll find, you'll look back and say, yes, Lord, uh, this one I was wearing quite a bit the last month or, uh, you know, and we all have to be careful on how we dress spiritually as the children of God. But I want us to look at illustrations, uh, examples of these five pieces of clothing throughout Scripture. So let's look at, at malice here. And if you will turn with me to Genesis 37. So if you go all the way to the front of the Scriptures, Genesis 37, verse 19. <clears throat> 37, and, and we'll actually pick it up at verse 18, 18 and 19. Here is the story, of course, of Joseph and his brothers. And maybe some of you can relate to this. They they just didn't like Joseph. He was being favored by the father. Verse 18. When they saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put, to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. You see the, 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 the background for the malice, what they're going to carry out? Verse 20. And now, come, let us kill him. And throw him into one of the pits, and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Do you see the arrogance and what they, the harm they want to do to Joseph? But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. And so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored, the very colored tunic, multicolored tunic that was on him. And they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Here is an act given to us right here in the life of Joseph, an act of malice. And it all started in the family. In the family. How many times can you recall malice in your home, in the family, either between brothers or sisters? Maybe, maybe it wasn't you that had the, the uh, malicious type of spirit but maybe it was someone else in your family. 
Perhaps some of you have had those close to you who were envious of you, envious maybe of your success, envious of something. Uh, they, they, there's something that, or something you did to them that made them want to get even. And so through the years, you, you, you could sense that, that they couldn't wait for something you know, bad to go wrong. Maybe they thought someone's looked at your life and says, oh, they're too perfect. Things are going too great for them. They can't wait to hear some bad news. That is a, a malicious spirit. And here, the brothers of Joseph carried it out. Oh, the Lord is desiring for you and I to make sure that the old clothes of malice lay back there in the closet. Now, we know that we don't get rid of the old clothes until we get to heaven. I still have this old nature in me. The old man that Jesus crucified, I died with Christ, but yet I still have that old sin nature in me that can raise its ugly head and get control of my emotions. And how how many of us have ever gotten to the place where recently you 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 realize that you've kind of had a bad attitude or you you've lost it and and here is one wanting to an ill will to happen towards someone else let peter is saying put this aside take it off and leave it in the closet let's go back then and let's look at the second one the second piece of clothing first peter chapter 2 again What is the second one? Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile, or some translations translate it deceit, guile or deceit. And this basically, if you want to define this, it is deliberate dishonesty. It's basically deceit. It's a desire to gain some advantage over someone in some way and using deceit to get that accomplished, to lift you up. And of course, who is called the great deceiver in the scriptures? Satan himself, God's enemy, the devil. He is the ultimate, the deceiver. And when we put on the clothes of deception and sometimes it's so subtle that these clothes end up, we end up wearing them sometime during the day and we don't realize it. We don't realize that we're being maybe deceitful. And sometimes we may think that, well, it's an innocent deceit. I I need to get what I want, so I'm going to use deceit in some way. Turn with me now to back to Genesis 27. So let's find an example of this. So all the way back to Genesis 27, and let us find guile or deceit. Genesis 27, verse 1. And here we have the the account of good old Jacob. And uh, you know the story, but let's let's just pick it up here at verse 1. Read along if you would. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older brother Esau and said to him, My son. 
And he said to him, here I am. And Isaac said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Remember, Esau was the firstborn. They came out pretty much the same, almost the same time, but Esau came out first at birth. So they were almost twins. Verse 5. And Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son... Listen to me as I command you. Beautiful Rebecca. You remember the meeting of Rebecca and Isaac? We talked about the beautiful wedding of Jim and Ellen, uh, of, of your vows. You remember that story of Rebecca coming and finally, you know, she sees Isaac and Isaac sees her. And it's the best, one of the best love stories in, in all of Scripture. Well, suddenly we see this dear Rebecca having a deceitful heart. She put on the wrong clothes because, remember, Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was daddy's, daddy's boy, you know, and sometimes you see that in a family. And so what happens? There becomes jealousy, and there becomes, and so there's a desire to be deceitful, to gain an advantage, And so she is planning deceit, and Jacob's going to go along with it. And now, my son, listen to me as I command you. Verse 9, go now to the flock. Bring me two choice kids from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, though, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight, and I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Oh, but mom is smart. So mom comes up with this great idea, verse 13. But his mother said to him, Your curse be upon me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went, got them, and brought them to his mother. His mother made savory food such as his father loved. And then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her eldest son, which were in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave savory food and bread, which she had made to her son Jacob. So there it is. It's all set up. 
what a beautiful plan of deception. I mean, talk about, we're talking about old clothes, spiritual clothes that we need to take off. She is putting on deceptive clothes on Jacob that he might carry out this scheme to steal the birthright of his brother Esau. So does it, does it work? Verse 18, then he came to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit and eat my game that you may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have it so quickly, my son? All of a sudden, he's, he, he's realizing that, uh, wait a minute, this happened real fast, like the Superman in the, in the phone booth and out quickly. And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Oh, man, it gets, it gets better with Jacob lying. Then Isaac said to Jacob, verse 21, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and felt and he felt him and said, well, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Man, this was close to being found out. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he what? He blessed him. Mom worked it out with Jacob and they both connived this idea to steal the birthright. And he ends up putting on the clothes of deception. Oh, that you and I, dear friends, might be careful when it comes to wanting our way. Sometimes to get what we want, to accomplish maybe our own agenda and our own ambitions, sometimes we can be a little deceptive. And sometimes we think, oh, being a little deceptive, um, it's okay with the Lord. But no, God calls sin, sin. And deception is, it gives a picture of the, the greatest deceiver of all, Satan. So, oh, how it's important it is to take off the garment of deceit. So let's go back to 1 Peter. If you turn to 1 Peter and keep your finger here, and then we'll move to another passage. Peter then went on to the next piece of clothing. Therefore, put aside all malice and all guile and all, what? Hypocrisy. Put away all hypocrisy. And many of you know what the word hypocrisy means. In ancient times, it referred to someone who was in a play. The Greeks, uh, anyone who was an actor was called a hypocrite because he was doing, playing something that he's not. He's pretending to be someone he's not. And that's where we get the word hypocrite from. And so it's, it's play acting. And, oh, how hypocrisy uh, has sometimes uh, brought shame to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we sh- sure have pictures throughout the old, the old and New Testament of how hypocrisy, people were uh, wearing the clothing of hypocrisy and, and they thought they were getting away with it and they were fooling a lot of people. But of course, we know that the Lord Jesus knew the heart and I want us to see now how the Lord Jesus uh, called the Pharisees on the carpet over this very piece of clothing, hypocrisy. Turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. And here, Jesus speaks directly, verse 13. And this whole chapter, we're not going to take time to read the whole chapter. But pretty much the whole chapter, Jesus comes after the Pharisees because of their hypocrisy. So we begin in verse 13. Jesus said to them, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men. For you do not enter into yourselves, you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you all allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He uses the word right there. Because you devour widows' houses, even while for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on the sea and the land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. What a statement. He goes on. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering upon it, he is obligated, you blind men. So he goes on. But I want to drop down now to verse 27. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is calling the Pharisees out. Now, these Pharisees were the worst of the worst. We know that. But how can I end up wearing the clothes, my old clothes of hypocrisy, and kind of just uh, just let it slide and try and get away with it? It's when I don't deal with my sin. If I don't deal with my heart and and issues that I have, and perhaps it's an attitude towards someone else. It's an attitude towards another brother or sister in Christ, an anger issue or something, or it's bitterness or unforgiveness. And then 
I put on my Sunday morning best, so to speak. Come to church. I'm with the family of God. And I put the smile on. And I, I sure look good. And I sound good. And I sound, can sound so spiritual. And then I go back home. And all the while I've been here, I've had, I've been wearing, the, I, I've had this bitterness, this, this wrong attitude in my heart that I haven't dealt with and confessed to the Lord and brought to him. If I don't deal with that, you know what I'm doing? I am putting on the clothing of hypocrisy. Yeah, it may not seem, others may not see it, but as we talked this morning, God sees my heart. And oh, that the Lord might reveal to me if I'm wearing these clothes and this clothes of hypocrisy that he, his Holy Spirit might convict me and I might be sensitive to his conviction and do something about it, take off the old clothes and confess my sin. So let's go back now, if you would, to 1 Peter. <clears throat> and we have two more pieces of clothing. Then we're going to look at verses 2 and 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy, and here's the fourth piece of clothing, and envy. Envy. Envy is that jealousy. That resentment and discontent. It's a desire, you know, that some, desiring what someone else, else may have. And we get envious or jealous of someone else because of the way they are, maybe the praise that they get or the attention they get. And therefore, that makes me kind of jealous. And suddenly, without knowing it, I could be wearing the clothing of envy and jealousy. And because of time, we're not going to actually turn, turn to this, but you can look at it on your own if you're taking notes. Write down Numbers 12. Numbers, I'm, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 16. 16 verses 12 through 35. And that is the account of when the sons of Korah, if you recall, the sons of Korah came up to Moses. They all gathered up in front of Moses and Aaron. And basically, they said to him, so who, who put you in charge? Why are you the only one that gets to exalt himself and, and, and run things and rule over us? And so basically, they were calling Moses and Aaron out as if they put themselves in that position. And the sons of Korah, who were of, a, of the priesthood, they thought, wait a minute, Hey, we should be we should be taking over there. Let let me uh, get up in front of the people, and uh, and Korah was leading the charge, and 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 he's defying Moses, but as his attack on Moses and Aaron as leaders was a direct attack on the Lord, and the Lord called them out on it, and you know what the what was the result of that story? Remember, God told. Uh, all the people told Moses and Aaron to tell the people, everyone who's not part of the Korah clan, to step away, get away from their tents and all their belongings and where they were standing. And do you recall what happened? How, 
the, the ground opened up and swallowed them. God removed them. What does that tell me? That tells me uh, how much God hates envy and jealousy. And that he desires for his children, you and me, to be wearing the clothes of humility so that we might be presenting ourselves to the body of Christ in a pure way, in a loving way, so that that there is no envy, there's no jealousy. And if someone else gets blessed by the Lord or exalted in a position maybe of ministry or something else, that, that I don't say, oh, I, I, I should be there, not him. And that can happen in the old job. If you think back to, I know many of you are retired, but think back of the days on the job, right? Where there were those people that would do anything to get to be number one, maybe to get your job. And they were very envious and jealous of you. Oh, that we might make sure that this piece of clothing does not, uh, we do not find this piece of clothing uh, on ourselves as we walk this journey before the Lord. And the last one, at the end of verse 1, and all slander. The fifth piece of clothing is, of course, slander. Slander. What is slander? It's the definition uh, a defamation of character. The defamation of character. It's putting someone else down, slandering. And what does that have to do? It has to do with the tongue, with what I say. Again, it's what I say. Notice all these things are what I feel, what I say, and it's a heart issue. And then what comes out? It comes out of my mouth, and it can be backbiting. It can become in the way of gossip, and I've got to... I've got to come clean before the Lord. And if I'm wearing this piece of clothing and I've just slandered someone, maybe the, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at them or, or it's for some reason. They've done me wrong. They hurt me. They've sinned against me. And so I'll say, do you know what so-and-so did? And we just want to make sure that other people know about it. Suddenly I'm putting on the, the clothing of slander. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. Oh. And I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians. Boy, if I, I've been getting my numbers mixed up lately. But 2 Corinthians, please. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20. Paul writes here to the church, For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you to be not what you wish, that perhaps there may be strife, jealousy, anger, tempers, disputes, Slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. Boy, he, he puts the list of clothing here, the old clothing, right before the church. And says, 
Boy, I hope when I come, I don't find you wearing these clothes. I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, that I may mourn over many of you who have sinned in the past and have not repented of the impurity, immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Paul had to basically presented to the church at Corinth with this, saying, I've heard you are wearing the wrong kind of clothes. You're wearing the old clothes. Take them off. It's time to take them off. And then let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you go with me to Ephesians 4, verse 20. <clears throat> And Paul says to the church here in Ephesus, Ephesians 4, verse 20, But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside, and there's that word, again, casting aside, the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and put on, what? The new self, which is the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Paul is saying, hey, church put on the new clothes put on the new self and what is the new what what are these what are these pieces of clothing of the new self if we have the old clothes of the flesh what are the new ones well of course we find them in galatians galatians chapter 5 the fruits of the spirit right love joy gentleness meekness kindness long-suffering, all these things, these are the clothes that the Lord is, is desiring us to wear. And I have to do inventory. I have to, this week, I pray that I will go into my spiritual closet and say, Lord, what, which one of these pieces of clothing have I been allowing to wear? I've been wearing that I shouldn't. And, it is, and, and you are not pleased with me. And it has brought harm to myself and to the body of of, of believers. Let's go back then and look at the final, the last two verses then, verse two and three. So then, <clears throat> what does he say, Peter, first Peter two, then he says in verse two and three, like newborn babes, this is what you are to do. Instead of putting on those old clothes, I want you to do this. Your newborn babes in Christ, the King James Version says sincere milk. Long for the pure or sincere milk of the word that by it you may what? Grow in respect to salvation. Yes, we're saved, but we're not, but there's a process of sanctification in our life as we become more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If you have tasted the, kind, tasted the kindness of the Lord, the word of God. The word of the Lord. And that here, Peter is putting emphasis on the the thing that is going to cause me to put on the right kind of clothing. And what is that? 
It's the word of God. If I am immersed daily in the word of God, and I, I, am, I am feeding on his living word, then what is, what's going to happen? My mind is going to change. I'm going to keep the, the old clothes in the closet, and I'm going to be walking in the spirit because I will have the mind of Christ. The only way you and I can have the mind of Christ is if I know this book. And it gets into my heart, and I begin to live it and know that the word of God is the thing that is going to purify my heart. It's going to cause me to grow spiritually. And that, that brings us to the last passage of scripture I want to look at, Psalm 119. So would you turn to Psalm 119, and with this we close. David, of course, when he wrote this psalm, he, he, he was totally immersed in the word of God, completely in the word of God. And so here, Psalm 119, it's such a long psalm, but all through the psalm, he talks about the commandments of the Lord, his ordinances, his testimonies. He has different names for the word of God. But he, he shares what they do for him, what they mean to him. And I just want to look at the few verses here, verses 129. If you turn to 129 through 136, Psalm 119, and we'll pick it up at verse 129. What does David say? And this, is a, this whole uh, psalm, again, is a prayer. Thy testimonies are wonderful. That's speaking the word of God. Therefore, my soul observes them. The unfolding of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Peter just talked about we need to be hungry like newborn babes for the word. How hungry Am I really for God's word every day? Oh, it's so easy to be full of other things in my life that, that we get complacent and I no longer hunger for God's word. But David says, here, I open my mouth, I pant, I long for thy commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after thy manner with those who love thy name. Establish my footsteps, where? In thy word, and do not let iniquity have dominion over me. In other words, Lord, help me to keep the bad clothing, the wrong clothing off. And help me to dress right, that I might please you. And how do I do that? It's the word of God that I'm walking in, that, I, that I'm meditating on. Verse 34, redeem me from the oppressive man that I may keep thy precepts. Make thy face shine upon thy servant and teach me thy statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep thy law. David would cry and cry and cry anytime he failed the Lord and he put on the old clothes and the Holy Spirit would convict him. The word of God in us will bring conviction that we need. But oh, how wonderful it is to walk in the newness of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, 
for your precious word. Father, forgive us for the way we've been walking many times in the old clothes. And Father, we have brought dishonor to your name as we've sought to allow the flesh, Lord, to rule, the old man in me to take control. But Father, help us this week to put on the new self, the new clothes, that we might stand out to the world as different, that they might look on us even as aliens, that they might see that we are of a heavenly kingdom, and we show it by the way we live, we talk, we act. Father, help us to obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.